0: I'm not going to keep you long. I never do, do I? So, um, <laughs> but uh, just pray that uh, God will really bless the word this morning to you. Yeah? Wasn't sure what to um, what to speak about this morning. Um, While well, we've been uh, doing the prayer and fasting, I've been thinking about different things, and. While I was preparing stuff, I've changed my mind. I don't know how many times I've started doing things, uh, you know, starting writing notes and stuff like that, and then, nah, that's, that's not right. Uh, so I've changed it. And uh, while I was uh, preparing this week, uh, I set, set a day aside. Um, I've set many days aside, and then, you know, they've disappeared. Um, so I, I set a date this week and I was preparing and as I said, I um, I started and changed it and started and changed it um, and then uh, my wife came in with a cup of coffee. See, good. She looks after me while I'm in the office and you're talking about an office and being a mess, yeah. you want to see mine. <laughs> um, and so she brought me a cup of coffee and asked her what was getting on. And I said, yeah, not, not really good. And she said, uh, why don't you talk about lions? Out of the blue, you know, why don't you talk about lions? Don't know where it came from, but there you are. So uh, after we'd had our coffee together, um, my thought turned to lions. <coughs> and uh, four subjects Came into my mind, you know. I thought, well, you know, what do we, what do we talk about lions? So the first one was uh, was Samson, and the riddle that he he posed at his wedding feast. You can read about that in Judges, uh, if you want to. It's a good story, good riddle. Uh, but you know that didn't seem right. The second uh, subject I came up with was, was uh, the devil, and. Uh, We're told in uh, in 1 Peter that the devil uh, roams around like a roaring lion, doesn't he, seeking who he can devour. The third one was in Revelation, and that was Jesus, who was called the lion of the tribe of Judah. And uh, then there's the fourth one was Daniel and uh, the lions. In the book of Daniel, obviously. Uh, so this morning, just for a few minutes, I want to share just a couple of thoughts from the book of Daniel. Because that's the one I chose in the end. Um, so if you turn with me to, uh, to D- Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8, we're going to read a portion of the scripture. And, uh, and then see what we can learn from that. Daniel chapter 1. Verse 8. says, But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Now God had caused the official to show favour and sympathy to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my my lord, the king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men of your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with with that of the young men who eat the royal food, and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this, and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the god took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. And I bet that included broccoli. Didn't it? <laughs> so... It's interesting because the, 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 the two things that I've, I've got to talk about today, one, one includes food and one includes prayer. And it, you know, it fits in, doesn't it, You know, with the, the fasting and the praying. Um, so, Daniel, he'd been taken into captivity in Babylon uh, about 600 years BC, along with the king of Judah and uh, a lot of the young people and the valuables. We read that in, in verse 2. It says, The Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put it in the treasure house of his God. So Daniel was a captive in, a, in Babylon. He was taken from Judah along with a king, um, and God had ordered it. You know, he, he, he sort of made it that, the, you know, the king of Judah, because of the things that had gone on, they were taken into captivity. And uh, this was normal practice in those days. You know, if one country conquered another country, they, they would take off uh, certainly all the men, especially the young men, the fit men, uh, so that they couldn't form another army and, and start to come back again. And they'd take all the valuables, you know, all the goods out of the country, uh, for one reason, they, they then couldn't pay anybody else to come and form an army for them. Uh, so it was a good strategy, wasn't it? It stopped the, the possibility of any reprisals from that nation. And Daniel, we're told, he was noble, he was fit, he was young, he was handsome, he was intelligent. It says that in verse 4. You know, the sort of guy that... Uh, Any father would love his daughter to meet, wouldn't he? You know, he'd got everything going for him. And uh, he was one of these young people that was taken into this this land. And when he found himself there, he was in a strange land. He'd got strange customs. They ate strange food, worshipped strange gods. And uh, yet, amongst all of that, he gives us an example of someone who really wanted to serve and follow God and build his relationship and keep his relationship with God. So what can we learn? First bit from this is, is obedience, isn't it? We can learn obedience. It says he would not defile himself with the king's food. Even though it was the best food to have, it was the finest meat, finest, you know, the best cuts of meat, the best vegetables, the best fruit, the, you know, the most juiciest fruit. But you know, it was evident that. There was something about it that was forbidden for the Jews to eat it. Whether it was because it was sacrificed to his gods, uh, we're not told. But there was something about it that uh, Daniel didn't want to eat it. And look how he reacted to the situation. He tried to find ways, a way of pleasing God. You know, it'd have been easy for him, wouldn't it, to uh, just do as he was told, you know. After all, he was, he was a slave in a, in a foreign land. He'd got no rights. He'd got no freedom to really do what he wanted to do. Uh, so he could have just done what he was told. And after all, why should he worry about God? You know, God had allowed him to be in that situation, hadn't he? In verse 2, he says that, you know, God made it that the king was going to take them into captivity. So, you know, God had allowed him to be there. So why should he worry about uh, what God thought? Uh, surely he'd understand the circumstances that he was in. You know, he'd put him in that in that land with all these, these funny things going on. But the reading says he resolved not to defile himself. He made the choice and he looked for a way out to obey God. In verse 8 it says... Um, he resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and he asked the chief official for, for permission not to defile himself in that way. He was actively looking for a way where he wouldn't have to do that. So what about us today? What happens when someone challenges us to go against God's word and God's rules? You know, maybe our employer wants us to... Uh, on the phone, tell somebody that he's not in the office when he, he doesn't really want to talk to somebody because of uh, perhaps a situation that's coming up, or it's going to be a, a difficult question to answer. And uh, he says, you know, just tell him I'm not here. Uh, what do you do? Or if you know there's something, you know, dodgy going on in the uh, in the office, some some hand de- deals going on, um, so they're not uh, you know they're not paying the taxes uh, correctly, or things like that, and you're aware of it. Do you go along with it or not? After all, he's he's the one in charge. He's got the ability to, to fire you. Um, and at least he can make your life difficult, can't he? Uh, even if he doesn't fire you. So do you go along with it or do you stand your ground and say no and, uh, you know, make can find another way of doing it? What happens when our, our friends or our family want us to go out somewhere on a Sunday instead of coming to worship God? Do we try to find excuses uh, to go along with them so that he doesn't cause any problems and upset in the, in the family or with the friends? You know, maybe we say, well, it's, it, it's only once in a while, uh, or it's a really special occasion. Uh, or do we obey what God says? He says, put him first in everything, doesn't he? is he the lord of our lives or is it someone else you know matthew six thirty three says seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all the other things will follow on all the other things will come with that if we put him first you know he'll look after the other things in our lives the second thing is uh, is prayer i'm going to turn over to, to chapter 6 I'm not going to read all of chapter 6. You can read that yourself. It's a well-known portion of scripture. I'm sure you've read it many times or heard the stories about it. And it's the account of how Daniel's enemies conspired to have him killed. I'm just going to pick a few verses out of the chapter as we go along. First of all, in verse 3, it says, He was noted among all the admins. Among all the administrators, for his exceptional qualities. Verse three. Daniel was so distincti- distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities, that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. He was that good. He really excelled himself. We'd already heard he was he was intelligent. He was young. He was fit. And he'd really excelled himself above all the other people that the king was going to put him right at the top. He was going to, you know, be above all the king, kingdom, second to the king. And you can imagine how that went down, can't you? You know, especially with all the local folks around him, you know, the ones that had uh, grown up in the land. You know, he was a foreign slave. You know, he was, he was come from you know another land and yet he was going to be promoted right above all of them and so they they were upset to say the least uh, and they wanted him out but they couldn't find any fault in his work in verse 4 it says the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against daniel in his conduct of government affairs but they were unable to do so there was nothing that could point the finger at, you know, they couldn't say, oh, he didn't do that right or, um, you know, he wasn't very good at that. Everything he did was, was great and it was beyond anything that uh, they could expect. So they couldn't find any fault in him with the way that he, he operated. So they devised the plan, didn't they, uh, to get him executed uh, by getting the law passed that they knew he wouldn't obey. And they showed what a testimony it was, what his life, how a testimony his life was to them, that they knew that if they got a law passed that, would, that was um, something to do with worshipping his God, he wouldn't do it. And uh, that's, a, that's an example in itself to us, isn't it? You know, our lives need to be that testimony as we go along, that people know what we'll do and what we won't do and how we're going to behave in situations. And so they knew that if they got this law passed, he wouldn't obey it and the law was made that uh, if anyone prayed to any other any other god or anything else other than the king for 30 days uh, they would be sentenced to be thrown into the lions den and they knew daniel wouldn't go along with this you know with this rule so as, as soon as the law was passed uh, daniel went straight to his house up to his room and uh, to the open windows. And he, and he prayed. Uh, and we, he began to pray as he'd always done. And we told her he prayed three times a day. We've been talking this morning, haven't we, about how often we're going to pray or how we're going to pray or what we're going to do. But he'd got this, this habit already that uh, he prayed three times a day uh, at his open window towards Jerusalem. And he knew... He knew that his enemies would be watching. He knew that they'd be lay, lying in wait for him. They, they, they'd done it deliberately. So he knew uh, what was going to happen. Uh, he, but he wasn't going to hide away. He wasn't going to say no. He wasn't going to stop doing what he'd, he'd always done. Uh, he was going to go through with it. And, you know, this, uh, this really upset the king because the, the king, you know, he knew he'd got a good guy here. He knew he'd got someone he, he could rely on. Uh, he knew he was faithful and he was he was honorable and uh, he got great respect for him even though uh, the others round about uh, wanted him out and he tried every way to get daniel released uh, from the, the the judgment that had been made um, in verse 14 it says we don't find it they came they came to the, the king and said he, he, he still prays three times a day and when the king heard this he was greatly distressed he was determined to rescue daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him but he couldn't because the law that he'd made couldn't be changed you know their laws once, once it had been signed and sealed by the king even he couldn't change it so he would got to go through with it You know, that's a similar sort of law to salvation, isn't it? God has set the law that anybody that sins, you know, is condemned to eternal death. can't be changed. You can't suddenly make a a different rule for for somebody that seems to be good. That's the law, and that's the way it's going to be. Anybody that sins is under condemnation. So... The king had to go along with what he'd said, and Daniel was put in with the lions. Uh, and the king was so distressed about it, he told her he, he went, to, went back to his palace and he, he couldn't sleep and he couldn't eat all that night. And uh, at the crack of dawn the next day, he was up and he'd, uh, he went down to the, the lion's den and he shouted to Daniel, Now, I don't know what he was expecting. Obviously, something of Daniel's um, testimony of his lifestyle had rubbed off on the king, and he thought, you know, maybe. And so the king shouted to Daniel in the lion's den. And how surprised he was when Daniel answered him back. It says in verse 22, 23, We I find it, the, um, Daniel says, My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done anything wrong before you, O king. And the king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God and you know sometimes that's like us isn't it we ask for God for something and uh, you know we've been praying for, for these 21 days asking God for, for something but you know when it comes is it going to surprise us are we going to um, are we going to be surprised at the way God answers that prayer you know the king was surprised when, when Daniel shouted back to him but you know we we very often we, we pray for things we, we talk ask god for things in our lives we, we seek him to do things and when he does it we're surprised about it aren't we you know and we, we think well no nah, that, that that can't be right uh, and yet we need that faith don't we when we ask uh, god will answer so what about us we've got great freedom in this country haven't we we're not like Daniel, we're not under a foreign foreign rule. Uh, we've been praying for these last 21 days without any hindrance, without uh, any problems from the authorities. Nobody's been come saying, no, oh, you can't go in there and start praying. Uh, we've got real blessings in this nation of ours with no restrictions. We can come here any day and uh, and worship God, can't uh, we? And we've got no problem about where we meet, when we meet, how we meet and what we do when we meet. Uh, We've got a real freedom in this land at this time. And uh, we're not likely to be thrown into prison at the moment. Certainly not likely to be thrown into a den of lions, are we, Uh, for for coming and praying. Although even now our society is changing, isn't it? Uh, It was mentioned in prayer meeting on Tuesday night, I think it was. Um, how now many people in our nation have got no regard or thought for God and uh, there's, there's more hostility against uh, people and the truths of God when they are proclaimed so things are changing but at the moment we've got this real freedom to do as we, we want in this nation so do we pray as often as we can? we said Daniel had this habit of praying three times a day. Uh, and as Simon said, we were discussing last night how we're going to continue to, to pray, how we're going to bring that into our lives in a, in a, a more meaningful way. Uh, I think Sam said this morning, you know, so often we, we sort of say, yeah, I'll do that. Um, but then after two or three days, it, it sort of falters, doesn't it? We need to make that commitment to God. That we're going to pray, we're going to spend that time. However, we, we do it uh, is you know what suits you and how you do, it and how you put that in your diary. Uh, but we need to do that. We need to make that commitment to God. One Thessalonians five seventeen says, "Pray without ceasing." Um, and Ephesians six eighteen says, "Pray in the spirit on all occasions." And again in the prayer meeting, some somebody, somebody said, you know. It seems hard doesn't it when you say pray without ceasing but it's not perhaps physical prayer all the time you know you're not going around chanting prayers you know all day long but you you're in that attitude of prayer in your spirit with god all the time you've got that communication with god at all the time although daniel prayed physically three times a day the rest of his life was a a continual communication a continual prayer with god talking to him all the time. And uh, that's how we need to be, isn't he? Always ready to hear what he's saying and what he's prompting us to do. So just to conclude, what can we learn from Daniel? First of all, if you're, if you're not a Christian this morning, then you need to consider where you stand with God. You know, As we said earlier, God has made a law similar to the king's. It can't be broken, it can't be changed but he has made a way out hasn't he he sent his son the lord jesus christ to take our punishment to take the 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 penalty for that sin and uh if you're not a christian this morning you need to acknowledge that jesus died for you he took that sin away and uh seek to follow him and follow his ways he paid the penalty for for uh, all of our sins didn't he but if we are christians this morning and on I assume that most of us here this morning would put us in that category. Then we need to obey God before we obey men. Put God's laws first. And then, secondly, <clears throat> we need to examine our prayer life. How often, how much do we communicate with God in our prayer? And let our lives be a daily testimony to those around us. Just like Daniel, the people around him knew what he wouldn't do or what he would do the folks that we meet with in the in the street the ones that we meet with at work need to have that same testimony don't they that daily testimony you know the way we live the way we are amen